Welcome to the last in the thick of it of 2019. My name is Colin Lambert. I'm Managing Editor of P&L. With me, as always, is Gaden Stops, Editor of Profit and Loss. Um, and in a week in which cable went up and then down and Bitcoin went down and went up, and that was pretty much it, um, we thought we'd have an end-of-year jamboree um, by um, critiquing, I think is going to be the word, Gaden, you know, politely critiquing each other's predictions made in January um, as to what may happen in the foreign exchange industry. And when I say politely critiquing, what I mean, of course, is absolutely try to destroy each other. Of course. So, oh, good use of the word jamboree. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate no, that. It's a word that's it's a, it's a word it's a word that's underused, I believe. Yes, um, <laughs> I would agree. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So um, we have ten predictions to get through. I mean, some of them, okay. you know, you had your usual tap-ins that you went. What is the most obvious thing that's going to happen this year? Oh, I'll predict that. And tap-in. obviously, yes. being editor, being editor of the magazine in which this was published, you had first dibs on it, or sorry, I say last dibs on it. So let's go. Number one. Uh, basically, what I thought was I thought that um, particularly regional banks and a few of the non-bank market makers that hadn't previously done it would start rolling out algos um, for you know, clients or counterparties. So, you know, whereas the algos were you know, historically held you know, by about seven or eight banks, there'll be a lot more participants offering it. And okay. I'm taking the W now, mate. I'm taking the You're W taking now. taking the W? Oh, Absolutely. Can 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 you name me some who've who've rolled out these new algos? Um, well, I think XTX did, didn't they, in the year? Um, I know that um, I think ANZ have as well. Um, I think Danska did. I, think I don't RBC, know. I, I'm not sure if RBC already had it. I mean, I, I, I'm pr- there have been a few that have have rolled out these products. I mean, to be honest, <clears throat> it was a bit of a tap in. Yeah, you know, as everyone's right. everyone's talking everyone's talking about algos a lot more. You know, we had the survey saying our oh, algo used to go up by twenty five percent. Inevitably these banks who have their own client base who want to do slightly bigger tickets are gonna turn around and roll these algos out. So, so, so one question I have is, is 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 you kind of raised a question in your prediction about how this would play out regarding the relationship between the regional and global banks. I mean, you said you, you said yeah. how it rolled out is unclear. Do you think that over the past year it's become more clear how this could affect the relationship? I think it's evolving. Um, but, yeah, I think the, use, the better use of data on the part of the major LPs has made the relationship a little bit more difficult with some of the regional banks because, obviously, the, yeah, you've got this inherent tension that, the regional banks have to get best execution for their client, and therefore, you know, or their client is using their algo, and therefore they have to get best execution, which is reducing the value available to the major LPs that historically maybe would have had some value in this flow because, you know, while it was reasonably informed, it wasn't, you know, it was easy to internalize. So I think there's a little bit of tension has, has come in, but if I'm being honest, I think that tension's always been there, um, you know, really from the start. There's always going to be a, there's always going to be tension between liquidity provider and liquidity consumer, so um, I think you know the data is making it a bit easier for people to um, you know understand what's going on in the relationship. And to go back to a, a, you know, a very popular theme of mine, um, if you're using an algo, most people know what algos do, and therefore they can spot the order, and they can they can adjust their pricing, you know, um, appropriately. All right, all right. Okay. A, a tentative, a tentative win. No. 
seriously. Is it, are we going to be that petty, are we? It's, it's, a, w, it's a W but written in pencil. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> well, speaking of Ws written in pencil... Traditional um, financial services first, will buy into the crypto space. Yeah, the, 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 the traditional Galen stops tapping from you know, one yard out from the goal line. Obviously, they were already buying into the crypto space. You just thought it would continue. Um, now, I'm going to make a case here that actually it hasn't happened yet. I do actually think you're right in the longer term, but I'm going to make the case I don't think it's actually happened yet and that institutions are still circling the crypto space. I, I think they're still circling, but I think enough have, have come in to give me the win. I mean, just, just this week, uh, State Street is partnering with Gemini. Like, it does get more... To, they're going to provide the uh, the back office reporting for Gemini's custody services using crypto technology or using their own technology. No, using State Street's technology. Ah, so so actually, I mean, all they're doing they're just taking a crypto customer, not a crypto. They're not actually buying into the crypto space. They're just taking a crypto customer. Surely. Well, okay. What what is what is what is taking the customer if not buying into the space? Oh, I see. Oh, so you're changing how you sort of um, your nuance of your thing. Because I looked at this saying, like, you know, this will be um, traditional buy, you know, players buying crypto firms and launching crypto dedicated services, you know, in, for crypto markets. Well, well ICE, crypto ICE, ICE launched ICE launched back this year that got regulatory approval. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you that one. I mean, I'm. <clears throat> I, I, let's put it, it way, I'm putting this in a two a two HB pencil. That's the one that rubs <laughs> out very easily. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> no, I mean I think okay. you are right. Actually, I mean in terms of blockchain, yeah, there are a lot of firm traditional firms looking at blockchain I, blockchain initiatives. Um, I mean I would point out that when you wrote this last year, HSBC had already announced their project, so I'm not letting you have that one. Um, even though it became bigger news this year. But no, you are right. I mean, I think the technology, and this goes back to that conversation on your panel in Hong Kong a, few, uh, like, you know, a month ago, that um, you know, there's, there's this, still this divide around, does it matter about crypto markets or does it matter around the technology? And my sense was you said it was about the technology. Yeah, uh, it was about the technology. And also, um, I kind of argued that it, wasn't, it was less about the price, right? Um, yeah, because at the time of writing it, the the price of cryptocurrency had, had kind of collapsed. It was down at like three thousand five hundred. Um, yeah, but I I was arguing that that kind of the the valuation of it matters less for its kind of adoption on the institutional side. Yeah, for the technology, absolutely. I mean, I think that I think the the fact that it's actually I think yeah, you know, if you're looking at it philosophically, I think I don't think Bitcoin's had a great year at all when it comes to trying to institutionalize the market itself. Because it spent a lot of time doing nothing and then just randomly moves like 4%. You know, as, as pretty much happened this week. Um, and that's the sort of stuff that will make institutional traders shy away. But the technology-wise, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that one, say a 2HB pencil on that one. Okay, so next up, your prediction was titled, A Stall, Not a Reversal. What does that mean? So, uh, oh, yes. No, no, no. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. This. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I, I'm surprised you've even brought it up, Galen. It's such an obvious W. Um, <clears throat> so basically, this was, if I can put it in one sentence, 
buy side to buy side mashing in, in foreign exchange markets, particularly spot, will not happen. Okay. So I think so one of my quotes, you, I said there wait. was the, the buy side, was it there's more than a few people have expressed the same thought in the FX markets in fixed income that big asset managers will become market makers in liquid markets. The buy side will step up and fill in liquidity gaps that have appeared in recent times. They won't. It's a bit of a non-prediction to predict that something that isn't happening is going to keep not happening. Oh, no, I think what I was predicting was a lot of the big buzz around there, you know, around the fact that, oh, we're going to go buy side to buy side, will not succeed. I think, I think there's, a, there's a, a crucial but subtle difference there, to be honest. I, I, I'm not sure. And also, I'm not sure there was that. I think there's been some buzz this year about buy side to buy side. I'm not sure I was hearing a whole lot of buzz um, last year. Oh, no, there was. There was, because you had a couple of, couple of ventures launched last year as well, which, funnily enough, I've heard very little of. Um, I, yeah, I still think it's a problem, you know, because these people, there seems to be a, a, a fundamental lack of understanding that the crucial function of the foreign exchange market is to um, assist hedges in hedging their international trade and international transactions. The buy side, historically, as investors, are not there to take risk on in foreign exchange. And you're, if you're going to wait for a buy-side firm to come in and, and match with you, you're going to have to wait, and you're going to have to take some market risk on. And effectively, you know, it's, you're going to have to wait quite some time, especially when the markets are moving. And if the market's moving against you, guess what? You're not going to find a match. Um, and look at the fix. I think we've had two instances this year. You, know, you, could, you could look at the, the WM fix now and say that is actually buy-side to buy-side matching. Um, because the banks are certainly not not involved in any way in a principal business, whereas before they were a little bit. Um, and we've had two occasions this year. I think it was April. The WM window was, I think, euro dollar moved 15 pips in the five-minute window, which is quite significant for euro dollar. And I think it was the end of May when the 24-hour range on euro dollar was 15 pips, and 12 of those 15 pips were in the five p.m. Or the five-minute window. That's what happens when buy side to buy side matches. We get slippage, we get poor execution, it ain't going to happen, Wait, and they so will work so now, it out at some stage. Now you're saying we already have buy side to buy side matching? No, I'm saying effectively you could argue the fix is that. Okay, so let's argue Cause, that. Yeah, because it means you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not because there's no principle. I mean, the, the banks effectively do not, you know, regional banks may do, but if you look at the bank's input in the orders to the, to the uh, fix, they have no influence at all anymore because obviously they're scared off by the chat room scandal, by the pre-hedging scandal, and by everything else. So all they do now, they act as an age, pure agent, put the interest into the market, and watch the buy side to buy side match. Apart from the fact they do eventually match at a fixing rate, and they probably don't actually fix. The banks will take on the risk in the end, but the market moves, you know, four fifths of the day's range. Okay, so Colin, and if you're will... talking billions of dollars, mate, that's a lot of money. Okay, it's so I will, will agree. I will agree that the thing that wasn't happening before is still not happening now. So, if you want to take that as a win, you know, if of course I if you want to take that as a win, you take that as a win. Okay. But I said, uh, I said, I said it's not going to happen. It hasn't happened. That's a W. Thank you very much. FX Prime Brokerage consolidation to reverse, and this is a this is such a gain and stops headline. Asset manager clients remain slightly. Yeah, no, no, no. Brackets <laughs> slightly. <laughs> Um, yeah, the asset manager clients to remain elusive. I think okay. you. I think you are 100 percent there. Obviously, but people can't see me. Um, but I'm so taking a victory sip from my mug of tea right now <laughs> because you don't have a hope of arguing against this one. Well, can I just can I just 
uh, pull one quote from your piece. Yep. That says, while this needn't necessarily precipitate a pullback from City in the FXPB space. Yeah. Needn't necessarily. Mm. I mean, it turns <laughs> out it did. <laughs> so we're not quite a hundred percent. Yeah, you're certain on this one all of a sudden, are we? I mean, I think you're right. Others are trying to fill the void. I'm not sure how well they're doing it at the moment. Um, But I guess you've got a couple of new, a couple of players have stepped up. Have we actually got that many new players? Because, I mean, if you look at it, I think it strikes me the prime of prime space is being squeezed to less players. Um, yeah, well, I think I think definitely. When a few years ago, uh, you know, there were tons of of people trying to launch, set up, and offer prime of prime um, businesses. I think it's kind of consolidated down back to like kind of the the key players, certainly kind of on the institutional side. Um, yeah. Gr- granted, I didn't see the kind of the re- complete kind of restructuring uh, of clients that kind of City was going to uh, embark on this year. Um, yeah. but, but I don't think anyone did to be fair um, actually no sorry. sorry no sorry I think somebody did didn't they oh no it was the platforms they did yeah somebody um, predicted less platforms um, being supported by the LPs I can't think who that was oh it was me <laughs> <laughs> carry on <laughs> which one was that uh, it was in my column in September oh in one of those brilliant column. instances of Brilliant instances of timing, and, and be better to be lucky than good. City and the city news broke about a month later. <laughs> One of those obscure columns, Colin. You can't, you can't. We're not counting them. You're clutching at straws now. Okay, let's move on. Fair enough. If, if you can't, if you can't beat them. So this was the rise of the non-bank market maker has been well documented, and in 2019 uh, could be the year that this manifests itself in the M&A market. Yeah. Not sure how to play this one because yeah. obviously I'm on the back foot already. <laughs> I'm, I'm scrolling, um, I'm scrolling down on the article from last been... year, and you had a lot to say on it last year. Like there's pages. Yeah, of this I mean, stuff. I think, I mean, I, I think there has been a few informal link-ups. I think you know there's been more links between. I think certainly one thing I would say is the um, the non-bank market makers in particular have had quite a bit of success this year in building their volumes from, for instance, regional banks. Um, and that is kind of, you know, and, that, and that's a loose link up, but no, I, I, <clears throat> moving swiftly on. I, I, wait, wait, wait. It, quick question, quick question. Is, is, is that a case of... <laughs> no, no, we haven't it, got time, Gavin, sorry. <laughs> is, is it didn't happen or hasn't happened yet? Um, <clears throat> that's an interesting one. I... Do you know what? I mean, I must confess, I'm, I'm kind of swinging 180 degrees in this at the moment because um, I look at it now and think if you look at conditions in the market, you look at the rules and regulations that are hamstringing some of the banks. I'm not sure if I was a successful non-bank firm why I would want to be part of a bank. I really don't. I'm not sure I understand why I'd want to do that at the moment. Um, now, if I'm an unsuccessful non-bank market-making firm, that's fine, but is a are you going to find a bank willing to buy you when they do the due diligence on you? Because I don't think there's that many non-bank market makers really doing that well. You know, there's, there's, it's like the banking world. There's a couple at the top that are doing okay, two or three at the top doing okay. The rest are kind of fighting over scraps. Um, so I'm not convinced in the current market structure 
as to whether that's actually whether I'd want to be there. The, the interesting one could be if the banks get a little bit more aggressive on their where they put their liquidity. Yeah. Because, you know, the non-banks do rely upon bank liquidity to a degree, you know, as, as banks rely upon each other for, their, you know, for the liquidity and more and more of them rely on non-banks. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, could, I could foresee a situation whereby a non-bank firm could be bought by a bank um, or maybe you know a large asset manager, I think, which has been touted before. Um, I'm not convinced they'd want to do it in the FX space at the moment, or they want to be bought. Okay. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. So just a bad prediction all round, then. Okay. Um, onto onto from from the bad to the sublime. Um, CTAs <laughs> to stage a comeback. Right. Yeah. Well, to be um, fair, they were so abjectly poor last year. They had to make a comeback of some sort. Uh, I mean, well, I, I think that's what people said at the beginning of last year as well, though. Mm, well, you certainly did. <laughs> um, so well, okay, at... look, 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 this can only be judged in numbers, Galen, okay? Yeah. So, and so the uh, Barclay Hedge um, CTA index is up, as at the end of November, was up 5.03% on the year. That's great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah. Um, now, I know this is not a good comparison, but the S&P is up 20%. Not a good comparison at all, mate. Apples and oranges. Um, the, Eureka, the Eureka Hedge hedge Fund Index is up 7.27%. The HFR Hedge Fund Index is up 8.12%. And the Barclay Hedge Hedge Fund Index is up 8.86%. So they, they weren't the, CTAs weren't the best of the bunch, but I would definitely well, I qualify. Work this. Out, they were the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely, as far as I'm concerned, this qualifies as a comeback. CTAs are back, baby. <laughs> I could have given the money to my mother, and she could have got five percent. <laughs> my Labrador could have got five percent. I've probably got five and a half percent. I mean, yeah, I, I, in harsh numbers term, absolutely, I get it. Uh, what is interesting, also, though, actually, is it? Yeah, go. Cool. Uh, well, firstly, uh, December isn't over. They've still got time for another great month. Um, secondly, mm-hmm. I can't believe you didn't throw this at me, that the Cryptocurrency Traders Index is up 38.5%. Is it really? I didn't even <laughs> <Yeah>. know that. <laughs> Could have hodled. I tend to... Yeah. <laughs> hodled, if you hodled, yeah. Well, to be fair, three and a... So what do they just do? Like, say, oh, it's three and a half thousand at the start of the year. The low, it went at seven thousand. Let's say they got half of it. That would be 38%. Yeah, they're actually cryptocurrency traders index. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was one thing that was interesting to me on this. Actually, I would say is that um, the uh, can't be that interesting. I've forgotten what I was going to say. Yeah. Oh no, no. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, in Colin. Chicago. Yes, exactly. In Chicago, um, when we had the CTA panel, I mean, they was they were yeah you know, they were up five roughly around five percent. Then probably. Um, and they weren't that happy about it, were they? Yeah, they 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 didn't feel like it was like they were kind of out of the uh, out of the woods yet. Um, no. And I suppose that could that be way. because, yeah, in all seriousness, they're actually they were underperforming the other strategies to yeah. a degree. But okay, yeah, here's what I'll leave you with. Okay, 2015 yep. down 1.5 percent. 2016 down 1.23 percent. 2017 up 0.7. 2018 down 3.17. In that context, okay, 
up 5.03%. That's a comeback. That's a comeback for the ages, Colin. Yeah, but to be fair, that'll be like me having a game of cricket this weekend where I sort of limp through the game, get no wickets for 60 runs, get out first ball. It's a comeback, but it's not exactly <laughs> glorious, is it? <laughs> I, I didn't say it was going to be a glorious comeback, just that it would be a comeback. <laughs> uh, here we go, yeah. The, the hedges are being put in already. Okay, yeah, well, I mean, we will, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. Um, but if I was going to be pedantic, I'm, I'm, I'm still not happy with the... Uh, the underperformance, should we say. Um, so number seven, yeah. um, I've, I have no idea what I was trying to say with this one, to be honest. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we started off with the flash event in January 2019, and I argue by the end of the year, such moves will be more commonplace and not be seen as flash. <laughs> so I think what I said was, foreign exchange markets are going to move, but we won't call them flash <laughs> moves. <laughs> So I'm not quite sure. I mean, so I don't know how I, to I judge think, that. No, exactly. I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. Um, <laughs> it was, so I think, I mean, let's put, it, let's put it this way. I think I'm going to give you a freebie here because it's like, um, I think I predicted that we would look back on 2019 as a, as a more volatile year in terms of price action but one in which the market handled everything thrown at it. So they weren't flash moves. So that's obviously, I don't think it has been more volatile this year, yeah. um, but there haven't been flash moves. And obviously last week with the UK election, we actually, you know, the market handled it pretty well. There was interestingly some, well, more than one person, actually three or four EFX guys told me that volumes really surged once the market stopped moving. Which is just bizarre to me, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. when it was moving up, yeah, after the exit poll, it was moving up. And then, funny enough, I was talking to someone last night, and they mentioned the fact that CME was closed for the exit poll. And really? I hadn't even, I hadn't even thought about that because CME closes every day at four p.m. Yeah, yeah. Chicago, which is five p.m. New York, which is ten ten p.m. London, and the exit poll came out at ten p.m. So actually, that might have something to do with it. It might show the increased importance of CME in the market. The volumes weren't that high because CME was closed. And this goes back to this whole thing around flash moves, that you know it happened during that post-New York close when CME is, is shut down um, and liquidity is at a real premium. And the exit poll came out then. So you could argue, I mean, I think you know, I'm going to argue that the market handled it pretty well considering... Um, one of its primary venues wasn't operating, but you've got to think that's a missed opportunity for CME to get some decent volume. I know they had a record day, you know, which they, um, in terms of like their volume and open interest. Yeah, yeah. But you thought, what could it have been had they been there at, you know, sort of 5 p.m. New York when, when the exit poll came out and the actual move happened? That's the thing that got me. It was, the, the move happened then. There was low volume and then all of a sudden it got a lot bigger. Um, so, yeah, um, it's an interesting one. I mean, the only thing I would say, of course, actually, because you know, I'm still grabbing at straws here, which a drowning man does, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think market, you could argue markets have been more volatile this year. Could you? Is that what you were saying? <laughs> I, was just I don't know. I was, kind I, was, of I, was, I was hoping you wouldn't be able to argue that and just get, <laughs> I'd get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Gaden, all all right. I'm going to give you. I'll give you three things here. I'll give you cable, Bitcoin, dollar Turkey. Make your budget on those. And to be fair, I think this has probably been one of the one of the busier years for cable in the last, you know, probably 
since 2016. But, yeah, on the basis okay. we don't understand what I was saying during that, during that prediction, I think we should just move on move to, on. Okay. So, quite frankly, a, a, disgraceful, a, a disgraceful tap-in. You know, like, so the BIS survey dropped in 2016 for only the second time, and you predicted it will get back to growth. There's a theme here about things yeah. that go down getting no. back to growth. No, so first of all, I got a little bit more specific than that, okay? I wasn't <clears> you did, and, you, and that's where you got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so the headline figure, I was a little bit off on. I said between 5.8 and 6.1. So oh, To be fair, you're only half a billion dollars off. <laughs> or 10%, you know, if you want to go mid-rate. Okay. I, I think I did I did better later on where I said that uh, hedge fund prop trading firms to get, would be 12% of the market up from 8. Swaps trading... Yeah, uh, sorry, I they were, they were, they, sorry, sorry, before you go any further, they were 9%. Close enough. Uh, last time around, <laughs> swaps trading grew at 6%, and this figure will more than double in the 2019 survey. It certainly mm-hmm. did. Uh, FX option trading will get back to growth after declining 24%, and R&B will continue growing very fast, but much slower than the 81% registered in the last survey. All right. All right. Yeah, so hedge funds and prop trading firms literally limped higher to 9% from 8%, and you're taking that as a victory. Even though you said it would increase by 50%, and it increased by 12.5%, you're taking that as a victory, are you? And even though the fact you're... Half a billion, yeah, half a trillion dollars out. Sorry, half a trillion dollars out. Five, just the five hundred billion dollars, which could, you know, like basically is the GDP of a of a reasonable, you know, African country. You're going to turn around and go, that's a W. It's like it's like a, a package thing. You have to look at all the predictions together, Colin. The, the sentiment was yeah. correct for sure. Uh, yeah, the sentiment was correct. So I, I will grant you that. And I have to say, when the um, and, and you know, I will confess this to the listeners and to you that when the um, FX committee numbers came out in uh, July, showing an increase, and I worked out that this should mean a BIS number around 5.8 to 6 trillion dollars. Funnily enough, yeah. um, my heart sank. I have to yeah. say. <laughs> so, so, I, I, so yeah. I, I was doing the real numbers, not the uh, the trumped up fluff. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah. let's face it. There is there is still a bit of a mystery around how they got to that number. But I think, I mean, I think we've solved it now. As in, there's a few things that the FX committees weren't really picking up on. Um, no, I think, I think, I think we've solved it now. By the BIS was wrong, I was right. I think that's the the real answer. Here. Fair enough. Okay, yeah. Um, so uh, the last one then that we're going to talk oh, about today. One. I've got one. No, no, your well. last. The last one. Uh, no, 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 okay. no, no. Your last one. Full amount trading okay. will increase in 2019. That's the last one on the predictions. There's no other predictions we've got to talk about. <laughs> no, no, your your infamous trade of the year which uh, I, I would love to make an index and see if someone had done your trade of the year every year <laughs> since you've been doing actually, it actually do you know what how, how much money what? they would have I, lost um, actually you know it, I think I did this a couple of years ago um, because I, I I had the sort of return profile okay so yeah my listen, listen, let's go back to number nine and if we have to um, my Nokia trade Max, of the year, buying Nokia Max at two twenty one and a half. So, um, and I think actually the time of writing, as I said, the cross is about two twenty two. I took a quick fifty points for myself. Mark up, <laughs> okay, the mark, mark up. Um, and yeah. I did disclose it to the client, so that's fine. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I did actually do this a couple of years ago, and my return cycle was like, you know, frankly, it was like Bitcoin. Um, I don't think I did anything under the sort of, you know, like 7 or 8%. But I think over the first, I think it's like seven years or something of doing this, it worked out to be pretty much zero in terms of the returns. So therefore, it comes down to the carry. And on the basis that I think I tried to buy Scandi currencies a few times, I think I might have made a little bit of money on the carry. But yeah, it hasn't been the most glorious of history. Um, <laughs> and as I, as I did turn around last year and say, I have only one fear about this, and that is it uses that kryptonite of all foreign exchange traders, a Scandinavian currency. Because um, if you look at my bad trades of the year over the last 10 years, um, they've all involved Scandi currencies. So, so why, don't, why don't you stop, stop putting them in then? Well, because... <laughs> You've got to make it fun. I mean, what did you do? You did Euro-Dollar where you said it could go to last year. Euro-Dollar could go to 130, could go to 115. Well, thanks very much. Yeah, and you use other people's prediction um, analysis. This is good random, you know, lick your finger and put it in the air stuff. Um, oh, and it's from, gone really from well. From the man who said Bitcoin was going to be between zero and 10,000. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Went down, didn't don't, it? <laughs> don't give me that. <laughs> Well, all I can say is, and I'm sure everybody has been reaching for their um, app of choice um, and is checked Nokia MX, but currently trading at 2.12 um, and a half. So okay. it did go up, actually. I have to say, it's been it's been a roller co- emotional roller coaster ride of a year. At one stage, it was at 2.30. At one stage, then it was down at 2.08 and a half, and it's ended at 2.12 and a half. Now, what I am going to say um, <laughs> oh, is yeah, it it's minus 4%. Now, as far as I'm concerned, minus 4%, like your CTAs, I may have underperformed other currency pairs, but for Scandi currency pairs, minus 4% is a massive result because normally it's minus 10%. <laughs> and I'm not joking. Normally, my trade of the year with the Scandis is minus 10%. So I've okay. outperformed this by 6%, whereas your CTAs uh, underperformed yeah, by 2%. Yeah, yeah, if you're yeah, taking a win, I'm the benchmark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My benchmark is my previous Scandi performance of minus 10%. <laughs> plus 6% on the benchmark. And you know what? There's a bunch of asset managers out there that will take that because they don't want the tracking error. This is the <laughs> lunacy of asset managers. Um, honestly, all I can say is, people, if you're listening, um, it's one of those things. You know, you think you can control it. You, you know, it, it gets in your, in your blood. It gets in your head. You lie awake at night, you know, just wetting about it, and you still think you can do it, and it just comes back and beats you destroys you, takes away everything you ever wanted in life. Scandinavian currencies, just say <laughs> no. And on that very uh, sad note, full amount trading will increase in 2019. Um, <clears throat> carry on. Yeah, I'm not sure it's changed at all. Well, firstly, it's a little bit of a difficult one to, to measure in an objective way. No, um, it's not, Galen. I have the numbers. You'll be pleased to hear. <laughs> you say that was a nervous chuckle, <laughs> and the numbers—the numbers back me up then. <laughs> Not quite, I have to say. Yeah, I'm sure they so, do. Um, I'm sure they do. Using using—I mean, I use the um, the FX committee surveys, which I think about which three we, minutes ago you praised which as we've being already accurate. Debunked. No, 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 no. You you debunked the BIS. You praised the BIS, the FX committee surveys that actually set, predicted a 5.8 to 6.1 trillion a, a day market. 
So the very FX committee surveys that you praised three or four minutes ago, and rightly so, um, let me give you some numbers. Um, in April 2018, the average spot trade size in the UK was $807 million. In 2019, it was $787 million. That's a decline of 2.5%. Um, in the US, the average trade size in 2018 in spot was $1,012,000. In 2019, it was 874,000. That's a decline of 13.6%. This doesn't sound to me like there's a lot more. There's bigger tickets going no, through. No, but may, may, be honest. May, maybe people just had less to trade. But doing volume, 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 but volume trade. went up. Spot volume went up 20%, mate. Oh yeah, but that number's wrong. I don't, I don't know where you're getting this garbage. Data <laughs> well, okay. From, uh, to be fair, the FX committee, the FX committee data actually was flat on was flat on the year, I think, on spot. So if even compared to that benchmark, you're down. <laughs> so what, what, I, what I think is happening is some people are doing like like numerically, there's more people doing full amount trading. There's just a lot more people doing doing smaller amount that's just bringing that that down. Yeah, and that's what it is. Right. So we'll, and we'll with put that, that one pathetic as a, excuse. <laughs> <laughs> we'll mark that one as a maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I have to say, there's um, yeah, there's there's a few here that we can't really questionable. Accurately. Questionable. Um, but obviously, listeners, please feel free to come and join in and let us know what you think about it. Um, we'll probably do a written um, appraisal of some of this, although I think we've got most of the main points out there. Um, and that will actually be us for this podcast and for this year. Um, I think you know we both wish you all happy holidays, happy Christmas, whatever you are going to celebrate. Um, I think you're off to the UK, Galen. Yep, yep, heading to the airport yep. after this. Okay, and I'm uh, I'm going to look at the smoke out my window again um, in Sydney. But um, yeah, we'll be back um, early in the new year, probably with some predictions from 2020. That um, yeah. <laughs> that may or may not go right. I'm already working on my trade of the year. You'll all be pleased oh, yeah? to hear. Yeah, yeah. I'm not giving anything away at this stage because I don't, I don't want to be front run. I don't want to be pre right. by the foreign exchange market. <laughs> <laughs> so um, have a very good couple of weeks uh, break. Um, happy Christmas, Galen. Speak to you soon, mate. And you um, yeah, thanks very much for listening, everybody. <laughs>